This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome. Good morning, beautiful people. It is a stupendous Saturday morning. Because I'm here with you, number one. Number two. It's without a doubt the most wonderful day of the year. With a final four getting underway tonight. Duke, UNC, does Coach K move on to the natty or does the last dance for the Duke Blue Devils head coach end there? How do things go on the other side of the bracket with Villanova? It's all going down in the Crescent City. We're getting that much closer to Major League Baseball. LSU won last night. The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns won last night. Big wins from both of those. We're looking forward. To a lot of big things this weekend, but I think most importantly here on Under the Dome with CD, we are definitely hyped because it's WrestleMania weekend, baby. Yes, you heard it right. WrestleMania weekend going to be a fantastic One, to say the least, so big, you need two nights to fill it all. And it's definitely going to be a big show. But this is a big show as well because it's a supersized edition of Under the Dome with CD. Two and a half hours, so plenty of room to get your shots up. 337-706-0111. We've got three guests, but trust me, it is still plenty of time to get to what you Want to talk about on a Louisiana Saturday morning, and it's a beautiful one out there. Coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful game studios. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through the free mobile app, the FM dial, smart speakers, 1037thegame.com, so many different ways. And, of course, you can listen to us on one on the game, 1037 FM in Lafayette. And if you're out in Lake Charles, 1041, just a couple notches over on that dial. So appreciate everybody for listening in on this Saturday. Well, we're going to go ahead and you know leave the wrestling talk behind. We'll definitely have a lot of wrestling flair, pun intended there, on this show today. But I think it's time to just get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this. On a Louisiana Saturday morning, and we're going to the basketball front, not on a national perspective, but more of a hyper-local side with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. 
We start with LSU men's basketball. It's crazy how much has changed in just one year. The roles have reversed. It feels like the prince and the pauper, but to a certain extent, it seemed inevitable, especially with the changes that are coming and the changes that have already arrived over at LSU. Because Matt McMahon, he is suffering, not because of anything that he did. It's because of the sins of the father. He is inheriting a metric ton of problems for this situation that he's going to be at at LSU. And he's going to have that for quite some time. We didn't spend much talk about Matt McMahon last week. Interesting hire, but he's going to have some serious work to do. John Taffer bar rescue style. That's become even more evident because in the last week, you've had 11 players enter the transfer portal. Then you add on a couple players going to test their wares and turn their focus towards the NFL draft. The last domino to fall was Moani Wilkinson yesterday. He decided to enter that dreaded transfer portal. A lot of fans aren't necessarily a fan of because it's kind of ruining the game a little bit, ruining the business of college sports. That said, a lot like Thanos, this felt inevitable, but it's still insane to see how quickly this program has changed. You basically are wiping the slate clean and hitting not just a reboot button. No, no, no. This is a lot like whenever your phone just decides it's going to go completely haywire. You got to factory reset that son of a gun. And that's what we're seeing right now, folks. It is, without a doubt, a complete reset. Clear the save file. Time to start a whole new ball game with LSU men's hoops. They've been a fun team to watch over the last few years. And I talked about a lot last week or a couple weeks ago. Was it worth that cost to you and as as a Joe or Jane LSU fan to see what this team has done, but at the same time, you lose out on big opportunities in the long term for the next five, maybe six years. The duration of Matt McMahon's contract, I think there's no doubt in my mind, this team, just based off of what I can kind of See in my proverbial crystal ball. I don't practice Santeria, but I think I know what's going on and what the future holds for them because there's so much that's not going to be great for them. You're having to start from scratch, and then you have to do this while you're also waiting to find out how bad this program is going to be punished. This isn't the NFL. We don't spin the wheel of punishment. The NCAA is going to be coming with teeth and going in with no Vaseline because there's several level one allegations. And I I said it a few weeks ago, this screams massive scholarship reductions and probably a several-year postseason ban, probably for the duration of Matt McMahon's contract. Hell, he's going to get extended if it's big enough violations. If they do get charged with all that stuff, yes, it's going to be something that's big. And you can try and change my mind on this. 337-706-0111. That I don't think this Tigers program 
will receive the death penalty. I don't think a single program that's been implicated and given allegations is getting the bad hammer and the kiss of death. Even a program like Memphis, they're not getting the kiss of death. They're not in that kind of bracket, if you will. Because I just don't think the NCAA wants to lose a moneymaker or a potential moneymaker down the road, especially now that NIL is a thing and a lot of the illegal stuff that was happening, it's kind of above board, at least somewhat. You can't have coaches out here saying you're going to get a strong-ass offer, but you don't have to worry about bag men anymore to where I think retroactively you can't really put the band hammer on somebody like that. But McMahon's medal, he's going to have to prove himself a lot. Now, the expectations for the purple and gold are going to have to be watered down to the point it may just be water. And if you're getting eight, nine wins a year, that seems like like a success, as sad as that sounds. But when you have literally every single player on your roster that has a scholarship, that had playing time last season, is no longer there, you start to wonder how are you going to be able to field a team and again going back to what I said reducing scholarships for college basketball that hurts a lot more than I'd say reducing scholarships for the football programs because they can get as many players as they want in terms of walk-ons and whatnot but losing scholarships that hurts a lot more in basketball than it does football at least from my POV and I can't think of a program in recent memory, and I say keyword recent memory, let's say the last 10, 15 years, that has their hand tied behind their back and the deck completely stacked against them like LSU has it right here, right now. Yes, there's a lot of time between now and the start of the 2022-2023 season, but I think the smart money is to take whatever under on their future win total is. This isn't going to be like the North Carolina Tar Heels after one of the greats, Roy Williams, retired, and they're in the Final Four this weekend in New Orleans and are just one win away from another national championship. We all need to realize that this will be a team that shifts into a downward motion. Do they wind up being a complete dumpster fire? I think there's a distinct possibility, but don't blame the coach. Because when all you have are literally four players that are either hard commits or transfers, all your other guys have bounced. You've got three transfers you've been able to kind of grab. They're going to come over pretty much immediately. Two from McMahon's old stop of grounds in Murray State. But it's crazy. I, I was thinking about it. In the last year, LSU women's basketball was considered the program that was just gonna struggle for a while Kim Mulkey comes over and that team immediately makes an impact gets into the NCAA women's tournament wins a game now did they make it to the women's final four no but at the same time getting there was as much of a feat as it was for Will Wade and LSU to get to the sweet 16 back in 2019 Whatever he wasn't even the head coach at that time because of all these allegations that came crashing down. 
And I talked about Matt McMahon being a very interesting pick. I didn't really get much into this last week, and a lot of the conversation shifted towards the New Orleans Saints, the Raging Cajuns. So maybe not necessarily enough time spent on the basketball side of things. But in my mind, I think a lot like Matt McMahon, David Culley is David Culley with the Houston Texans. Matt McMahon is a lot like him, the fall guy. He's the guy that's just going to be there while all hell breaks loose and you're going to be going through the doldrums. If he comes out the other side of that of that mile of you-know-what, trust me, he's going to be a damn good coach. And he's going to help rebuild the culture, rebuild interest in this program. Because, again, the men's team is kind of where the women's basketball program was a couple years ago before we've seen what Kim Mulkey's been able to do for the purple and gold. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years. I guarantee you one thing. It's going to feel a lot like a morgue when you see LSU play basketball because I just don't think people are going to be that invested in a program that, especially if you're still waiting, if you're still waiting for the opportunity to play and to see guys that are going to be stars, if you're going to be waiting for a while to find out what those sanctions, what those punishments are going to be, because we're still waiting for that proverbial guillotine to drop. And we continue to wonder what's going to happen next for LSU basketball. Same with LSU football, too, probably at a lesser extent. Because the bulk of the sins are the sins of one will wait. And then again, a lot of the sins they've suffered are guys that are no longer a part of the program. Guys like Will Wade, Ed Ozron. Scott Woodward is going to, pun intended, get away with a scot-free. It's all about how everybody else is going to be handling this situation going forward. We've got a stack show for you today. If you want to call up 337-706-0111, we're going to talk some New Orleans Saints in the next segment because I think we need to get into the conversation about the quarterback position. And one guy that was throwing the football last year, no longer throwing the football in 2022, at least as of right now. It's going to be wild to see this whole thing play out with the quarterback situation with the Saints in the not-too-distant future. We're going to talk about that next. we got Chris Gordy coming on the program in about 14 minutes. Going to talk to him about the Houston Astros. We're about, I'd say, five days away. You heard me right. Five days away from the start of the MLB season. The Astros, you'll hear them right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. we have him on in about 14, 13 minutes, give or take a few. Can't wait to talk to him. Been a, been a hot minute. And just glad the fact that we have baseball. Last time we talked to him, we were uncertain about the future. So we'll talk about that. But we'll get to the New Orleans Saints next. So keep it locked right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. If you want to call up, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Back after this.
Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD, which is your Saturday morning sports talk show you gotta listen to right here on your number one sports station in all of Southwest Louisiana, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Tried to get this thing to be like a New Age Outlaws intro, couldn't quite Pull it off. Hopefully, you still enjoyed the effort. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. We're going to have on Chris Gordy coming on the program in about eight or nine minutes. In the meantime and in between time, we got time for your calls. But I'm going to go ahead and flip the conversation. We talked a lot about LSU in the last segment and what's going on with the basketball program where it's about as a bare bones as anything I've ever seen. But now we're going to jump over to a cupboard that definitely is not bare anymore, and that is the quarterback room for the New Orleans Saints. And it's interesting to see how much has changed with this team over the last six months or the last few years because I've talked about this a lot. Taysom Hill has done a solid job. It's a bit of a mixed bag overall, but his era as a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, not as bad as some might think, especially when you dive into the numbers, but it's understandable why they're going in this direction. Jameis Winston, they signed him to a two-year deal. Then early this week, they decide to add one more piece to this puzzle at the quarterback position because obviously... Sean Payton's no longer there to bang the table and say he thinks Taysom Hill should be the guy. Taysom Hill proved a lot. In my mind, why he's not that guy, pal, just last season. Now, of course, he was without Michael Thomas. A lot of players were out due to injuries, COVID, what have you. But that was his real, authentic dress rehearsal to be the guy going forward. Didn't prove a whole hell of a lot. Realized he needed to keep Jameis Winston around, run it back with him after an ACL injury. Yeah, makes sense. It's a little bit different than it had been over the last, let's say, two or three seasons where it it felt inevitable. You go look at what he did in 2020 when he filled in for Drew Brees when he was down for a few weeks. He looked good. Not necessarily as great as Teddy Bridgewater did, but he did good enough. Now, obviously, one win of those came against a team that did not have a quarterback, literally did not have a quarterback on their roster because of COVID issues. God, I'm glad that kind of stuff's starting to become a thing of the past in sports. But hopefully, you are looking forward to seeing what this team looks like. 
I know a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, were absolutely wanting to see, you know, Deshaun Watson. People were clamoring. I was watching a video last night, somebody who was kind of running through the NFL free agency. They essentially said they needed to get Deshaun because their playoff window would be wide open after that. They didn't. A lot of it, I said last week, had to do with the fact that you did not have the funds. Let's put it that way. You did not have, you did not have the funds to sign off on Deshaun Watson with that big of a deal. Jameis Winston, before the injury, did a really solid job. You were playing against a really a good bit of top flight teams in that slate before that injury, and he did well enough, I think, if he had stayed alive, and it's not stayed alive, but if he stayed healthy, I think they could have made the playoffs and slid in as one of those last two teams in. Just based off of how he played, how his form was. Now, you get that opportunity to see it again. And I, it's going to stink not having Teron Armstead there, but I think you'll be able to make do, get an offensive lineman somewhere in the draft, which we'll talk about more in the next few weeks because it's obviously going to be a point of conversation for everybody. What's going to happen with the New Orleans Saints? What's going to happen around the league? And how do the Saints adapt to making sure this Jameis Winston experiment is a long-term solution because, let's be honest, I we don't know what the quarterback crop is going to look like in the next two years. This year, the quarterback crop is admittedly low. That, that bar is a lot lower than it had been in the last two or three years. There's nobody in that class and probably next year's class that just screams out to me. We had on our guy Thor Nystrom last week, and he said the Saints should get Kenny Pickett. He felt like that was – no, not Kenny Pickett, excuse me, Matt Corral at Ole Miss. I'm not necessarily sure I want Matt Corral at Ole Miss. And I think this Andy Dalton signing pretty much puts to bed any idea of the Saints going with the quarterback in the first round or any round for that matter because you've still got the Ian Book nightmare. you still got to deal with that for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out over the next few months. But Taysom Hill, that's the conversation. That's where I want to kind of shift this conversation into. Because he's no longer going to be a quarterback. He may have just surrendered to the idea that he fits better as a Swiss Army knife. And I wholeheartedly agree with what this franchise has done is they managed to find a guy that is willing to be plug and play. He can do whatever you want, whatever you want. Hell, if you wanted to play defense, he probably would. And he did a great job at that because here's the thing. When you have somebody like Taysom Mill out there, he is the offensive spark plug. When Alva Kamara is getting brought down around the line of scrimmage, you're not getting a whole lot from him. Mark Ingram, what have you. Michael Thomas, you're not seeing him kind of get, you're seeing him in double coverage, what have you. Taysom Hill's that guy that can kind of change it up, change the speed up. And that's where he's best. 
That's where he's best. And that's when this team goes from good to great. Because, Tays- because anytime you see Taysom Hill on that field, if he's under center and runs it off, or if he's taking a nice screen pass from Jameis Winston or before that Drew Brees, he can very well be a guy that gets a first down like nine times out of ten. And if you're an NFL team, you want a guy that you can rely on that 90% of the time gets the job done. And that's what I'm looking forward to to seeing from the New Orleans Saints in 2022. How does Taysom Hill fit into the conversation, especially in the tight end room? In that tight end room, it's going to be a lot more heavy. It's going to be more entertaining to see how it all fits in. Just just my personal opinion. It just feels like that's the final piece of the puzzle to this team maybe having some sustained success in 2022, 2023, so on and so forth. Having Taysom Hill in that spot is great. Now you got to try and also figure out your focus when it comes to the defense because you lost guys like Marcus Williams. You lost guys like Quan Alexander. You can probably get Quan Alexander back from cheap. Honey Badger, more likely than not, not happening. Because I saw it earlier in the week. I believe it was PFT that brought this up that the amount of money they're offering that he wants is 20 mil. That ain't going to happen. As much as I, I said it a few weeks ago, I would love to see them get Jarvis Landry, Honey Badger, and let's freaking ride. It's very difficult to have that happen. So if you give me just one of those pieces, I'd probably much rather get Jarvis. But Jarvis is coming on the cheap. I'll tell you that much right now. He's coming over on the cheap. Because I just don't think Tyron Matthew is willing to take a hometown discount. His legacy's already affirmed at this point. He won a Super Bowl a few years ago with the Kansas City Chiefs, but he's also one of the great success stories in the league. He went from being kicked off of LSU's team to being one of the best corners in the entire NFL. That's a great story in and of itself. See him come back to and go to New Orleans would be amazing. Come back to St. Louisiana would be tremendous stuff. But I'm not necessarily sure that I'd want him at 20 mil. If he's willing to take the discount, hell yeah, go for it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't take a home down discount. Maybe he goes back to the Kansas City Chiefs or some other franchise that is more importantly poised to win a Super Bowl either this year or next year. Because at the end of the day, the NFL is a copycat league, and look at what the Los Angeles Rams just did. Teams are building for all-in years. And I feel like somebody is going to get him for the right amount, and they're going to be a contender. But I think they'll be a contender before they even jump on the line. We'll get our guy Chris Gordy on the line. Coming up next, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear. With Under the Dome. With the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with yours truly, the world-famous CD, right here on the game, 103.7 Live Yet and 104.1 Lake Charles. We got a supersized edition of today's show leading up to LSU baseball. Pre-game 12.30, first pitch, 1 o'clock, the series finale against the Auburn Tigers slash War Eagle slash Plainsman. But in just about five days from right now, probably the most exciting time of the year officially begins, and that is Major League Baseball, and that means the Astros season is going to get started. And, of course, you'll hear a lot of action of the Astros right here on the game. Again, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Can't wait to bring that to you, but I'm also excited to bring you our guy from Sports Talk 790, also host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He's coming out from H-Town, and that is our guy, Chris Gordy. Chris, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, certainly a uh, fun time of year. we got the Final Four this weekend in New Orleans and baseball starting up. So, yeah, the, uh, the lockout didn't hurt that bad because it's always good when we go straight from one sport into another. It's always great to have that tr- – like, it's a perfect transition going from college basketball and then MLB season starts that Thursday. It feels like the MLB, the whole point of the lockout was to purposely wait for March Madness to be over and start in early April. Well, I think, you know, what we found was ultimately the player, the, the owners still held all the cards. I mean, the players did get a good bit of what they wanted on the bargaining table, but ultimately I think what it came down to is, the owners were willing to sit this thing out, wait as long as they wanted, and and the players said, you know what, it's going to hurt us more if we uh, if if we're delayed and the season gets chopped down and we play less games and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, ultimately it was the players. I think I was on your show and said, you know, we yep. were thinking Memorial Day was when they were going to get started. Luckily, they were able to come to an agreement pretty quickly, and you know, we, we the season starts a little later, but we don't lose any games. They're going to make up those two series that we missed. So. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time of year. It's an exciting time of year to be an Astros fan because, look, this team loses pieces every year, but they still have this core nucleus together that makes them one of the best teams in baseball. They're one of the best teams in baseball, and they're probably one of the more entertaining ones. That said, they lost one of their key cogs in the offseason. It felt inevitable seeing Carlos Correa go. How surprised were you he wound up going to the Minnesota Twins? We all knew he was going to wind up heading to greener pastures, but the Twins? Yeah, I, I wasn't that surprised when I heard about the Twins. Now, I was surprised he took the, the the lesser deal, but I think what happened was when the lockout happened and then you know, he fired his previous agent and then went and got Scott Boris. You know, Scott Boris is, uh, you know, he, he's going to go find you the best deal available. And I think they were starting to realize post-lockout that nobody was wanting to hand out those nine, ten-year contracts. 
So Carlos said, look, let's go get a, a high-end money you know, per year deal where we can opt out after year one and, and get back into the market next offseason and go get that nine, ten-year deal we're looking for next offseason. Um, you know, I think the Astros, it was on the table on a, you know, a shorter-term deal, but they did not. They were not a fan of the opt-out thing. And, and, I, and I understand it. Look, like either we're turning the page and we're moving on or we're committed and, and Carlos Correa is our long-term shortstop. And I know – some people were like, well, if he's just going to do basically a one-year deal in Minnesota, why not just do it in Houston? Again, I think the Astros saw it as they, they came to the table, um, you know, in good faith negotiating this offseason, but they just, they're not fans of these one-year deals where, you know, the player has all the control and can opt out. And, and the, the, the tough part about it is, too, Carlos Correa has had a history of, of, of back injuries and everything else. And, you know, I was even told last season, he never saw the Astros trainer once. Everything he did is rehab or a treatment and everything he did off-site with a with a, a you know an independent uh, trainer. That right there was a red flag to me. Like, look, you know, if I'm going to sign you to a long-term contract, I want every medical up to date on you as possible. And so it, it's a little interesting in that if he gets hurt this year in Minnesota, let's say the back issues flare up. Well, he just opts into his, his year two deal with at whatever, $31, $33 million a year with Minnesota, and he stays with the Twins another year. So it, it's a very, you know, nice contract for Carlos. But the flip side of it is, man, you're with the Twins. Like, they're not any good. You know, I, I, I wonder how much a guy like Carlos Gray can lift this Twins lineup. Um, you know, I, I think at best there'll be a 500 club fighting and clawing for a play, playoff spot. Now, they do have the extra playoff. Uh, spot this year, so maybe you know maybe they're competing for that. But I just wonder, you know, he, he, like man, is he going to go there and, and experience what George Springer experienced in Toronto last year, where it was a whole lot of hey, you know, sitting on your couch watching the Astros in the postseason and you're not there. Talk right now with Chris Gordy, part of Sports Talk 790 and the host of the Locked On SEC podcast, and it was interesting to see how this opening week rotation is going to pan out. Obviously, Justin Verlander not going to be your game one starter, but we're seeing obviously one of the big aces from last season and Framber Valdez get that nod. What do you think about how this potential regular rotation is working out right now? Because you've got Justin Verlander back in the mix. You've got Valdez starting things off. How do you see this all panning out? Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it actually works in your benefit a little bit more having Verlander not at the front end of the rotation to start the year. I was down at West Palm a few weeks ago and got to talk with Verlander, and even he said he joked. He said, "Man, the, the lockout got done quicker than we expected. We we thought it was going to go a little bit longer." And he's like, hey, "You know, had it gone another two to four weeks, he said he was going to have you know everything built up and he was going to be fine and ready to go for opening day." Uh, he said he's just a little you know was a little bit behind schedule, so. Um, man, if you go by what you've seen from Justin Verlander so far in, in spring training, he has been lights out. I mean, he, he looks like the Cy Young winner from two years ago. The big thing with him is going to be, you know, what, what is his innings count? You know, after having missed basically a full season and a half, really, really ultimately two seasons, because two years ago he started opening day, and that's when he had the injury, and then he was out. So he's really missed about two full seasons. You know, once he gets in there and he gets rolling, I mean, is it, you know, do you pull him after five innings and say, look, we want to be safe about this? Um, you know, when Verlander's the guy who's used to going six, seven, eight innings and outings. So 
I'll be real interested to see how they manage his workload. Um, but look, you, you got the benefit of Luis Garcia was fantastic for you. Finished it second in rookie of the year voting last year. Framber Valdez really, you know, ever since Verlander went down, has kind of established himself as the ace of the staff. But with Lance McCullers, the big questions with him, I mean, I, I keep talking to people who are saying they wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pitch at all this year. You know, the, I think the optimistic approach with McCullers is he'll be back by midseason by the All-Star break. But, man, it is, uh, you know, Christian Javier's a nice piece. Jaco DeRizzi is, is a proven vet that's back. So they've got some arms. But, man, if, if anybody were to get hurt, like let's say Verlander tweaks something and he misses an extended amount of time, this uh, rotation is really in trouble, but I, I like where they are right now. They got a kid named Hunter Brown who's knocking on the door in Triple A, who I think is going to get called up at some point this year, and he'll be, you know, end up part of this rotation uh, at some point. But yeah, I just uh, I, I worry about depth on this team altogether, whether it's the the rotation or whether it's the lineup. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be fine. But as we know, 162 game seasons, injuries pop up. Oh, exactly. They always pop up, and it feels like you brought up Justin Verlander. He, yeah, I agree with you. He's been looking like he is just back to his old self. And how great is that to see? Again, he's been gone for about two years. He's getting up there in age. I mean, he could have very well just walked off and, and left on his own accord, but he's coming back to try and recapture that magic. And maybe this could be the last ride for the 39-year-old, nearing. he's going to be 40 next year, pitcher, what do you think about how he's going to – how you think he's going to pan out for this team and how does that injury that he had been dealing with for the last two years maybe come back to bite him? Yeah, careful on the aging thing, all right? He and I are the same age. So uh, when when I say Justin Verlander's old, it's, it's a shot at myself, and I hate that. But, uh, no, it, it, it's – again, it's very encouraging what we've seen out of him. And, again, I think it's just all about workload and, and how many innings he can go and – you know, he even said there there may be times this season where they have to skip a start for him just to to keep his inning workload manageable. You don't want to overexert him, and you don't want to you know put a strain on him where maybe you know he he uh, agitates that arm or something, uh, having not pitched you know in, in two years basically. So yeah, they're going to have to be really careful with it. But again, it's just it's frustrating and it's hard because he does look like the dominant Justin Verlander, but. Dusty's old school. Dusty Baker is going to, you know, he, I think he's going to play a little bit safe if need be. And he's going to have to be that one that goes out there and has those tough conversations, you know, in the fourth or fifth inning and say, all right, JV, time to go. Because Verlander is not the type of guy that likes to give the ball over to the manager. He, he fights tooth and nail. Him and A.J. Hinch used to get into it all the time, um, you know, when A.J. would go on to pull him. And, and again, you know, that was when giving him six, seven, eight innings at times. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they manage the workload, but I think they're going to be more safe than, than sorry very early on with him. And Again, because this is a team that has postseason aspirations. They need Justin Verlander come October. I, I think they're not going to worry about pulling him early in an April or May start. I definitely would. Talking right now with Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790. And looking, looking at more of the defensive side, what are you more concerned about? Are you concerned about the infield more or the outfield? I'm concerned about that center field spot. I'm surprised they didn't bring in another player. Um, you know, the Michael Conforto was out there. there. There's a couple of names out there in free agency that I thought maybe they might take a, a shot at. 
because keep in mind, this is a team that, you know, ever since they lost Josh Reddick and George Springer, they've never really brought in anybody else. Chaz McCormick has come up through this system. Jose Siri is a guy that they claimed off waivers a while back, and you know he started a couple of playoff games for them this past year. And, and Jake Myers is a guy that they like as well. It's come up through the system, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he got hurt in the, in the playoffs last year, and he's still out right now. They still don't have a timetable for his return. So it sounds like they're going to roll with the combo of Chaz McCormick and Jose Siri. And my only problem with Jose Siri is, man, he gives me Carlos Gomez vibes, and by that I mean. He's a guy that's a little bit unpredictable. Like, he, he does things outside the realms of baseball sometimes. There was a time last year late in the season where he ran through a stop sign at third and got gunned down at home. And it's like, man, you've got to listen to your coaches. You've got to do what's being told to you and play some smart baseball. Uh, he's even had the trademark Carlos Gomez swing and fall down to your knee uh, at home plate before. So uh, he scares me a little bit. The only thing with Chaz McCormick is, man, he games last year the Astros start a couple playoff games, but Dusty Baker said the other day he hasn't been happy with what he's seen from McCormick in spring training so far. So the center field is going to be one to watch. You know Michael Brantley's going to be out there. You know Kyle Tucker's going to be out there. But, you know, is it Jose Siri in center? Is it Chaz McCormick in center? And I think there's going to be times where they put Jordan Alvarez back in left field again because, uh, you know, he's a guy who is your primary DH, but – they want to keep getting him in as a position guy at times. And he, he did fine in left field. He's never going to be a Jake Marisnik type flying around out there making big defensive plays. But, you know, shortstop spot, it, it is Jeremy Pena's job at this point. I mean, you know, he's the guy who's come up through the system that, again, he was knocking on the door at the end of last year in, in AAA. And I think they really like him. The unfortunate thing for him is we're always going to, you know, from here on out, it's going to be, oh, he's not Carlos Correa. Well, no, nobody's Carlos Correa. But, German Payne can give you pretty good to elite-level defensive shortstop play. And, look, if he gives you anything at the plate, I think that's that's a plus. We know he's got power. When I was at spring training a few weeks ago, I saw him in BP hitting a couple bombs, crushing crushing some home runs. So I think Payne is going to be fine. It's just it's going to be that unfortunate thing where the fans and media and critics alike are going to be comparing him to Correa throughout this whole season. And I just think that's unfair. Let Jeremy Pena be Jeremy Pena. Stop trying to compare him to Carlos Correa. Exactly. I like the I like the take there. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the Final Four weekend, and more importantly, enjoy Astros baseball starting on Thursday over on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, I, that's the one thing that sucks about playing AL West is you get these late-night games, and, I mean, I'm, I'm literally in bed at 11.30 watching the game, falling asleep, trying to stay awake, so – yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but look, let's get some of these uh, West Coast trips out of the way. we got some big, big home stands coming up uh, at Minute Maid in these next couple of weeks. So anybody wants to make the uh, the four-hour drive west, come on over to Houston. Come check out the games at Minute Maid Park. There'll be some really good opponents coming in here the first few weeks. I can't wait, Chris. Thank you again, man. All right, thanks, Ed. All right, that was Chris Gordy. Appreciate him joining the program as he always is able to. We got a quick commercial break come back five faith picks to click and we also got some lineup changes in this show feels like a regular old baseball game we're making some some defensive replacements as we speak we'll be back after this on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles back after this The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. 
Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. And we got just enough time to get into five fave picks to click for this weekend. We're going to go two college basketball games, obviously. Only two left. Duke, I got them winning over UNC. Villanova pulling off the upset over the Kansas Jayhawks. Then we get to the Brooklyn Nets. I got them winning against the Atlanta Hawks. I'll take LSU over Auburn on the baseball front. And then we go to the Boston Bruins. I got the money line against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And if that all hits on a $5 parlay, $67.60 is coming my way. Make sure you get your picks to click up right now. Hey, we got... The final four national championship on Monday. And then the then the conversation shifts over to baseball. And we'll continue the conversation in hour two of this two and a half hour extravaganza right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 